passion for sport. This is Cameroon Roars. It's our daily look at what's happening at the 2021 Africa Cup of Nations finals in Cameroon. And I'm Steve Vickers. Yes, welcome to the show, which you can listen to every day throughout the 2021 Africa Cup of Nations. It's day eight today. All of the teams will have played twice by the end of the day. And Nigeria made it two wins out of two yesterday, going through comfortably to the round of 16 as they beat Sudan by three goals to one. Samuel Chukwueze scoring in the third minute. Then came goals from Tayo Awani and from Moses Simon. Uh, Waladin Akeda pulled a goal back for Sudan from the penalty spot. Uh, Nigeria really making a statement there with two wins out of two. I'm joined by Solis Chukwu, African football expert. Uh, are the Super Eagles among the leading contenders based on this, Solis? Ha. Well, Steve, the boring answer is that we still do not know. Nigeria was certainly good value for the 3-1 win over Sudan and have now banked six points out of six. That said, there is still no clear sense of just how good this team really is. Sudan did not require them to get out of first gear and... Egypt was so poor tactically in the opener that two matches in, it's difficult to get a proper read on this team. Despite naming an unchanged lineup, Nigeria certainly did not approach this match against Sudan with nearly the same energy as they had the previous. An early goal from Villarreal, Samuel Chukwese allowed them to sort of uh, coast through much of the first half, basically keeping Sudan at arm's length without going for a second. Uh, only in the final like 10 to 15 minutes of the half, did Nigeria start to push forward again and they were rewarded with the second just before halftime after hitting the post earlier. Uh, then the third came right after the halftime break. So really the timing of the goals conditioned the game to a great degree. And in the end, it was more comfortable than truly spectacular. Nigeria got to turn it on when they wanted and the use of set pieces sort of multiplied the talent disparity between the two teams. Like two of Nigeria's three goals came via set pieces. So uh, you get the sense we'll learn a lot more about Nigeria's title credentials, not here but in the knockout rounds, as more skilled teams um, expose some of the problems that have been apparent, especially on the counter-attack and in the centre of midfield. Um, in the first half, notably, Sudan had some joy getting at Nigeria in the channels, and with a little more quality, they could have asked more forceful questions. So faced with more competent opposition in knockout rounds, we might get... Um, a good read on where exactly Nigeria is at as a challenger for the AFCON. So Solis Chukwu there in Lagos, not convinced with Nigeria's chances as yet. And in the late game, Egypt somewhat fortunate to get a 1-0 win over Guinea-Bissau. And Mohamed Salah had a quiet game but scored from inside the box on 69 minutes. But then Mama Balde smashed in what looked to be an equaliser for Guinea-Bissau in the closing minutes, only for the VAR to count it out for a foul in the build-up. They came close again in the last minute, having fought hard throughout the match, did Guinea-Bissau. So the standings, Nigeria on six points, Egypt on three. Guinea-Bissau and Equatorial Guinea on one point each. Now in other Nations Cup news, the disciplinary board of the Confederation of African Football met yesterday and decided to extend the suspension for Ghana player Benjamin Tete for an additional game, making it three matches now that he's been suspended for. Uh, Tete will only feature in the semi-finals now if Ghana get that far. Uh, This relates to Friday's game in Yaoundé where Tete assaulted a Gabon player. 
And let's go back to the controversy there on Friday night as Ghana were held to a 1-1 draw by Gabon, a surprise result that leaves the Black Stars third in Group C and only able to progress as one of the best third-place teams now. Uh, Gabon equalised with two minutes to go in controversial circumstances as Ghana were angry that Gabon didn't give back possession from a throw-in after an injury to their player. Uh, They felt it was unsporting behaviour. Uh, Now, a Ghana player had gone down following a challenge inside the Gabon half, uh, but from the resulting throw-in, Gaylor Kanga of Gabon played the ball to teammate Jim Alavina, who scored. Uh, Andre Dede Ayou, the Ghana captain, protested to the referee about the goal with no success, and scuffles broke out at the final whistle with uh, ugly scenes there, uh, resulting in Tete getting that extended suspension. Um, so what do you make of this, uh, Solis? Um, certainly Gabon didn't break any rule, but um, were they unsporting? I think fair play is a really touchy subject in football. People make a big deal out of the performative stuff, but the actual spirit of it, I think, is largely ignored. There are two things here where Ghana is concerned. The first is that there isn't a rule governing conduct after the opponent puts the ball out which is why until the referee blows the whistle, there usually isn't an obligation to play it out to begin with. So Gabon were well within the ambits of the rules to carry on playing. The second is that Ghana themselves have been wasting time quite consistently through the second half. And so really they have no moral right to argue that they were hard done by. At the end of the day, this talk around fair play and whatnot has only served to obscure the reality of things, which is that Ghana were comfortably outplayed by Gabon on Friday, up to and after taking the lead through Al-Sad's Andre Ayu. As in the first game against Morocco, they ceded territory and control more and more in the second half and paid the price eventually. I think the major deciding factor in the outcome was not a fair play violation, but the reticence of Ghana manager Milovan Rajevac, who did not respond quickly enough to the game's changing dynamics. So, sure, it took a contentious sequence of play for the Panthers to claim a point, but the Black Stars really should have been alert to the possibility, instead of counting on a team chasing an equalizer to simply just give them the ball back. Yeah, thanks, Solis. A big talking point, that one, and uh, Ghana have a lot of work to do now. This is Cameroon Roars, brought to you by Passion for Sport. The show comes to you every day throughout the 2021 Africa Cup of Nations, online, on radio and on our app. You can listen to the latest show on our app and to past programs too in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You'll find our weekly show, Planet Sport Football Africa, there too. And you can follow us on Twitter uh, with lots of posts there during the Africa Cup of Nations. So there are high expectations for many teams, uh, especially Guinea, as the interim president of Guinea, Colonel Mamadi Doumbouya, told the players to win the Africa Cup of Nations or to reimburse all the money invested in them. This was at their send-off before they left Guinea. And now the team are at their 13th Nations Cup. Their best ever performance was runners-up back in 1976. But despite never winning the competition, uh, Colonel Dumbuya says he wants the team to go all out uh, for the big prize. Uh, Nabi Keita captains Guinea. Uh, they're in Group B with Senegal, Malawi and Zimbabwe and are looking uh, pretty likely to qualify for the round of 16. Uh, but uh, can they go all the way? Ephraim Tagu looks at the pressure on winning and how we can all be winners with faith. Professional sportsmen and women 
are used to pressure. In elite performance, it comes with the territory. They push themselves daily in training to improve their speed, agility, precision and performance. So that when their big moment arrives, they can perform at the height of their powers. That tiny percentage improvement can make all the difference between success and failure. Good coaches know just how hard to push the young men and women who they work with to make them the best they can be. And there's a whole heap of other pressures too. On top of the pressure the coach brings and the athlete puts on themselves, there's public expectation and the passion of supporters, there's national or local pride, and that's not to mention commercial pressures, the requirements of sponsors, club owners and sporting authorities. All the same, some pressures come unexpectedly, like when Colonel Mamadi Dumbuya, interim president of Guinea, told the players on his national team that if they did not win the Africa Cup of Nations, he would expect them to reimburse every fee invested in them. That's a massive extra pressure for a team that has never won the tournament and whose best performance was way back in 1976 when they finished runners-up. Presumably, the colonel felt this motivational talk would inspire his country's players to achieve success. But it's a tall order, even for a team that is led by Liverpool star Naby Keita. And there can only be one winner, can't there? And 23 losers, in the case of the AFCON. But being a follower of Jesus Christ is different. Even though it's a challenge, 24-7, and every day of the year, Discipleship is hard and sacrifice is part of the package, but God has provided everything a believer needs. In the Bible, Paul says to the church of Philippi that he's confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. So for followers of Jesus, while we face the pressures of daily living, we can have confidence that God is at work in us and that he will complete the work he has started. When we stumble, we can know God's forgiveness because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Our past has been dealt with, our future is secure, and Jesus promises to be with us every step of the way in the present. We'll have to see who wins the Africa Cup of Nations, but following Jesus means you are already a winner. Not because of anything that you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for you. Thanks there to Ephraim Tagu. You can read more on this on our website in the blog section, the website planetsport.tv. And uh, you click uh, on the top on the right on the blog section and you can read our blog under pressure to win the tournament or else. Right, let's go to today's matches now. Four games on today. At 13 GMT, we have the Gambia playing Mali in Group F. Both of those teams are with three points. At 16 GMT in the same group, Tunisia playing Mauritania, both having lost their opening games. In Group E, at 16 GMT, Ivory Coast playing Sierra Leone. And at 19 GMT, Algeria against Equatorial Guinea. Algeria, 35 games unbeaten, too short of equaling Italy's world record of 37. Algeria were held to a draw by Sierra Leone in their opening game, while Ivory Coast beat Equatorial Guinea. We'll see if the Gambia and Sierra Leone can build on their impressive start, Solis. I'll tell you what, Steve. I found the reaction to Algeria's draw against Sierra Leone quite surprising. I mean, it was a brilliant result for the Leone Stars, don't get me wrong. They acquitted themselves very well, but 
most people seem to focus on the defending champions and the assumption is that you know because they're underwhelmed they are no longer good value to retain the title um that said i don't think it's possible to come away from that game thinking algeria played poorly um especially in the second half they created a number of opportunities and they really could have won the game with a little bit more composure now that caveat becomes less relevant if they fail to win against an Equatorial Guinea side that was impressive in defeat against Ivory Coast. Uh, at this point for Algeria, the performance matters a lot less than the outcome. So another draw, even though it would take them closer to Italy's record, it would leave them with a very tricky final group match against the Ivorians, which they would have to win outright. Um, speaking of Ivory Coast, they will be next to try to burst the Sierra Leone bubble. Uh, John Kisa's side were excellent in the organization and discipline in the opening draw with Algeria. And to be honest, I think they have a real chance at an upset against an Ivorian side that were impressive um, in terms of the win, but really they didn't do that well defensively and in their offensive structures, even though they won. Um, going to the other group, Gambia, I think, showed their pace and threat on the counter to get a win over Mauritania in the first game. But they will find the hard-pressing Mali team much harder to live with, in my opinion. You, one suspects that they will be happy to play for a draw, but Mali will be keen to get the win and, you know, avoid needing any sort of results in their final group match against Mauritania. Uh, my expectation is that Gambia will struggle to defend their box with the same skill and um, efficiency that Tunisia managed against the Malian Eagles. Um, for their part, Tunisia have a very tricky match to negotiate against a Mauritania side that can be difficult to break down on their day. Now, considering the events of the last couple of minutes in the Mali game and the rejection of their complaint to CAF, there is a very good chance Tunisia coming to this match distracted. And considering they did not look very sharp against Mali, there is perhaps a small window of opportunity for Mauritania, I think. So, yeah, very intriguing dynamic um, to look forward to today. So Solis not seeing these games as particularly one-sided, a feeling that the underdogs in those matches all have a chance. Uh, thanks a lot there to Solis Chukwu, African football expert. A recap of the fixtures before we go. At 13 GMT, we have the Gambia against Mali in Group F. 16 GMT in the same group, Tunisia playing Mauritania. In Group E at 16 GMT, Ivory Coast, Sierra Leone. So two games kicking off at 16 GMT. And at 19 GMT, Algeria against Equatorial Guinea. From me, Steve Vickers, and from Solis Chukwu, the show is back again tomorrow, and Cameroon Roars is a Passion for Sport production.